adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario. back everyone i'm your host this week paulo mangoni and uh, of course on the audio is as always michael angel See? <laughs> how you doing how you doing michael I'm doing right. good 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 uh, i'm doing uh breeze and call the nights and i use all all right That's all right all right uh again uh, that that song has now still remains in mainstream culture uh is a testament to how good that song is. Yeah, yeah it's uh, that's debatable. That's good. Uh, <laughs> something. <laughs> something all right. And that's that's Julian Dangelo. Julian, welcome. How's everybody doing tonight? Very good, very good. And as always, Mr. Chris Maselli. Hello, everybody. Excellent. So uh, let's uh, let, let's get into it. Uh, what, what do we want to start off with? Uh, do you guys have anything before we, we get into the games? Is João Pedro an Italian uh, citizen yet? Yeah, is it happening yet? No, it did not happen yet. We'll we'll find that out mid-January, I want to say. What are Luis Suarez? <laughs> no, he he can't say the word. Uh, was a cocomero. Can he say prison colonized in Acuso? That sounds more like English, no? Ah, no, not at all. <laughs> I think it's, uh, what did he say? It's like, il ragazzo... Manja il cocumela or something like that. I can't I remember. Know. La mela? Okay, anyway, in Italian, watermelon is cocomero. Luis Suarez. And he couldn't and, say that. And he, and, he, and he used the word cocumela, which I'm pretty sure it's probably Spanish for watermelon. Wait, so that's why this whole thing started? Because he said it in Spanish by accident instead of Italian? Yeah, because they, they still pass them even though... He was unable to speak Italian. I mean, maybe he was just mumbling, and it sounded close enough. I highly doubt it. But anyway, the the club got cleared, so. <laughs> Let's see. There's still there's still a million problems left, left, still left over. So we'll see. 
We'll see how long their luck can last. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that they have much luck. I think they've run out of luck. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Um, so Syria round 18 started on Friday, December 17th with Lazio Genoa. Lazio came out 3-1 winners against Andrei Shishchenko's club, which I believe what is now their third goal, third game running that when they scored a goal. So that's that's a positive, right, Chris? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, <laughs> so Pedro opened the scoring in the 36th minute uh, to make it one nothing. Uh, a cherry on a header uh, off a corner made it uh, two nothing, and Zakani scored Lasso's third goal. Uh, by beating Sergio uh, one one on one, and then Melagoni got uh, Genoa's consolation uh, five minutes from time. So the next game on Friday was Inter. Uh, so Salernitana hosting Inter. Inter, of course, came out five nothing winners. An absolute dismal performance from Salernitana. Didn't seem like they were on the pitch. Uh, so Perisic opened the scoring in the eleventh minute. Dumfries made it uh, two nothing in the thirty third minute. A goal that came off the crossbar and went into the net. Uh, goal line technology confirmed it. Uh, Sanchez made it three nothing with a, a nice passing play between him and uh, Chalanoglu. Uh, Latar Martinez made it four nothing, and then uh, Gallardini, the guy who scores against low uh, low table clubs, made it five nothing. Right, Julian. Hey, he's making a career out of it. Yeah, exactly. Was that, that's that's our two goals against Spezia and Celerity Tana. Good for him. <laughs> and now uh, the game that uh, I think everyone, well, one of the games that everyone was looking forward to, Atlanta versus Roma. So uh, Roma got out to a flying start uh, within a minute. Abraham played a quick one-two with Zaniolo uh, that that sent him through on goal. Uh, quickly broke through the Atalanta defense with a speed, and then his deflected shot uh, went over Musso to score, like I said, uh, score the opening goal after the first minute. Uh, Roma didn't stop there. A quick pass from the defense allowed Zaniolo to play a 1-2 with Veritu. Then he was able to gain the box to beat Musso at his near post to go up 2-0, uh, just under 30 minutes in. And then Atalanta got back into the game before halftime, as Muria's shot took a wicked deflection off Cristante for an own goal. Uh, Roma continued into the second half. Vertu delivered a great ball into the box from a free kick, which allowed Smalling to stab the ball home uh, at Musso's far post. And then Roma completed the route as Eldor Shomorudov plays in uh, Veritu and his deflected shot was the perfect assist for Abraham's uh, for Abraham to get his double. Uh, so, what I wanted to talk about this game, folks, on this game was uh, Mourinho's quote at the end of the game, which I found to be hilarious and uh, representative of the Mourinho effect, in my opinion. Uh, he said, "Quote: I kept hearing people saying." Uh, that it's been 19 months since Roma beat a top five team. Now you can say that it's been 20 minutes. And it had been. And it had been, yes. It had been 20 minutes. <laughs> but and I mean, that, yeah. can you say, I mean, Atlanta obviously are no slouch, but would you say that they are a top team? They're, yeah. they're a top five team, yes. Okay. They, they finished uh, top five, what, 
three years, three years in a row now. Yeah. Okay. So I would consider him a top five team, and and just to you know add insult to injury, uh, Roma had twenty nine percent possession, and only five shots on target. Chris, what you what you think of that performance? Because I know uh, you don't like that type of. Uh... Uh, I mean, it's not so much that I don't like it. I, I I prefer to watch games the way Atalanta usually plays, which is you know more. Of an attacking mentality, but it was it was a fun game to watch, you know. Despite the way, you know, Roma set up defensively, I thought the the Zapata goal that got called back, which would have made it two uh, two, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and then I think just a few minutes after that, Roma made it three one. So that was a big moment in the game that obviously swung in Roma's favor because I I thought if that two two goal stood, uh, we would have been in for a very very entertaining final, you know, twenty five minutes. Yeah, and and Roman made the most of that, right? And uh, credit to Mourinho, who set up his team to play. Kind of remind me of uh, the way he set up Inter to play against Barcelona, against a team who dominates possession, but then found perfect opportunities when uh, the team that likes to hold possession is all the way up in their opponent's half and quickly broke the opposite way uh, to, to capitalize on their chances. What did you thought about that? Do you want me? Do you want me yeah, to yeah, Chris. Yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's he's. I don't want to say slowly figuring out, but he's figured out what he he can and can't do tactically with his players against the more attack-minded clubs like Atalanta. So, again, I'm sure Atalanta, you know, Gasparini hate it, but if you're, you know, a Roma fan, he got you the three points, which really is all you care about at the end of the day. So, attractive, unattractive, uh, three points is what's most attractive, mm-hmm. and he got it. <laughs> Okay, so we'll just do a round table. So uh, what do you guys think that Roma's missing to crack the top four and complete my prediction of finishing second? I'll go with Michael. What are they missing? Yeah. Um, I'd say consistency for me. I mean, I feel like it's it's weeks on end where we see one, you know, one side of Roma and then another side, you know, the next week. Right. So uh, just like, for example, you know, that Bodo glimp game Mm -hmm. where it's a six, one finish, right? Like that's, that's almost the perfect microcosm of them. You know, this year they, they had one big lapse of judgment, you know, for a team, I guess they were playing away at the same time, but Mm -hmm. still, um, that's, I, I, I just don't think they have it in them to week in and week out, put in the same type of performance that gives you, uh, enough quality to get second place. So that's, that's what's standing in the way for me. Julian. I just don't think they have enough quality to get second place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like you look at the other teams in the league and I don't think quite frankly, they match up. You look at the teams ahead of them, and yes, I know they just beat Atlanta, but I think over a full season, I don't think they'll be able to catch Atlanta or Napoli or Inter or Milan. Like I, I just don't think player for player they're at that level. Okay, perfect. That's um, a good uh, good time to promote the fact that uh, the transfer rumor segment is coming back uh, very soon, <laughs> and we'll take full advantage of the fact that. Uh, you know, after uh, this week, uh, there's a massive lull, so this is a perfect time to start uh, to, to to have the return of the transfer rumor segment. Uh, Chris, you can uh, finish it off. 
Yeah, I would agree with Julian uh, and Mike for that matter. But I do, I do agree that there isn't enough talent on the roster right now to finish second. But uh, to answer your question, Paul, I guess I would say, you know, they're missing a, a healthy Pellegrini. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we we talked about earlier in the year that Roma Twitter isn't a huge fan of him, but I, mm-hmm. I do think he's a big piece for for their success, and he's a big piece for their success the way Mourinho wants it to play out. So a healthy Pellegrini would definitely go a long way. Yeah, okay, I, so, would, I would yeah, I would argue, Paulo. Just like mm-hmm. I think we're all kind of saying almost the same thing, right? Like consistency, I think, comes from having the quality players that allows you to play with you know a top at a top level consistent consistently. So. I think it's the same thing, right? Like those transfers, someone coming in and, and, you know, even a healthy Pellegrini, like having someone of quality would lead to that. So, I f- yeah, I feel like that's really the answer. Okay, so just uh, one, one last question before we move on. Are we all in agreement that what they're missing, to, uh, to, to your point, Michael, of quality is in the midfield? Is another player that can come in and provide that quality? Just quickly, Michael, Julian, and Chris. Yeah, well, I mean, who do they? What's their midfield like? What's their typical starting? Well, if Pellegrini's healthy, it's probably Pellegrini, Zaniolo. Uh, well, Zaniolo playing up front too. Veritu. Yeah, like like McTarian too. Is that like? Yeah, well, he's more. May, uh, may plays more as a winger. Um, Diawara. Diawara, yeah, he's yeah. he's in the mix as well. What about Brian? And Brian Cristante, exactly. That's the other one. Brian. Yeah, so it's probably Veritu, uh, Pellegrini, Cristante. Right. That's their probably their best three center midfielders. Yeah, I mean, I feel like <laughs> what did, that... what did uh, he say about uh, what did Marina say about Brian? He said you have to be like Benucci <laughs> or something like that if you want to complain about stuff. <laughs> I I think I know which quote you're talking yeah, about. He yeah. Said basically, like you have to be like a bigger, or you just have to be like more important. I think. <laughs> essentially to able, yeah to be able to like talk to refs the way he was trying to talk so i mean like that's you know to me that just kind of shows yeah maybe you can get someone bigger than cristante in the midfield maybe that would help uh, outstanding <laughs> well, well have i just been shitting on like some of his players heads just well that, to, and that's like, what i mean like point? like you know we're saying the transfers you know like having more depth in all these positions like he literally would not play the you know players outside of his 11 that he wanted because he couldn't right. because they were so bad, right? Yeah. And it was just it proved itself during that Voto Glimp game, right? So it's, that's, yeah. yeah. Being uh, a dead horse here a little bit, but that's, that's what no, it is. No, it's a very good point and a perfect point to, to move on. So, uh, so the noon game on Saturday was Bologna versus Juventus. Uh, Morato. Chris's favorite game. Oh, we're purposely God. not talking about this game because uh, Chris will probably lose his shit. <laughs> uh, so opened the scoring in the sixth minute. Uh, somehow it was not offside, but uh, ends up scoring anyway to make it one nothing. And then Juventus conclude the scoring in the 69 minute. Nice. There you go. Uh, with a quadrado deflected shot. Uh, C- Chris, you said something. I'll, I'll, I'll let you rant and before we move on. <laughs> no, I just uh, I thought for. The vast majority of the game, uh, Bologna had more intent going forward. I thought they were more creative. I, I think it was the first ten or fifteen. Juve were definitely the better side, and Bologna looked a little out of sorts. But no, I just thought Bologna did enough to at least get a point from that. And I guess you know you could say that Juve were 
you know, more clinical because they had similar chances, I think, at the end of the day, but they finished the ones that they had. So maybe that speaks to the, the difference in quality. But I, yeah, I do, I do still say that Bologna played the better stuff. And uh, I think I made a comment to you guys that Allegri has the provincial mentality right now. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. I mean, I guess that's what that's what was missing last season with Pirlo. Even though uh, they don't have the same po- point total point point totals at this point of the season, so I, I'm kind of curious to see what Pirlo had after uh, the 19 games uh, to what Allegri could accumulate at this point in time. So I, I'm I'm just curious because you know they they drop the same similar types of games where they both should have won. So I'm, I'm just curious to see uh, at what point we're at now. But all of a sudden, Juventus are 12 points back from the top of the table so with 19 games left to play. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to Cagliari Undenese. Uh, I guess a disaster class from Cagliari. Uh, Makengo for Undenese opens the scoring Four minutes in, uh, Delufeu uh, scores a nice free kick uh, just before halftime. Uh, Molina scores a nice volley to make it three nothing, and here is our goal of the round. Makengo on the left. Makengo back for Delufeu. Delufeu the shot on target by Delufeu. Brilliant goal by Gerard Delufeu. Cagliari nil. Udinese four. Michael, where'd you find that commentary? <laughs> <laughs> I've so never heard that commentator. I know that's the official City uh, uh, YouTube page. Oh, that's funny. I've I never heard that do- I, I honestly don't know who's the, doing the commentary on that, but it's so funny. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that guy as well. Good for him. Yeah, it's it sounded like um like the the Simpsons soccer commentator. <laughs> back to left. <laughs> back to center. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So that was uh, yeah. So the yeah. goal. Let's just just to kind of break it down. Mm-hmm. It uh, you know it's Delafeo at the top of the box, I guess, the corner of the box, and he's able to kind of throw it. Uh, yeah, like basically a perfect kind of shot, just in the far right corner of the net, uh, looping kind of over the the keeper's kind of I guess glove, trying to get a glove on it, but uh, misses him completely, I think, and yeah, it just goes in. Yeah, it was a it was a great goal. I think Michael, you said uh, it sound it it was similar to uh, goal Ala Del Piero. Yeah, it was, in the, Del Piero. it was in the zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great, great goal. Uh, so that was Saturday's games. So let's move on to Sunday at six thirty in the morning Eastern Standard Time. It was Fiorentina Sassuolo. So. Yes. Good game between two kind of exciting up-and-coming teams. Uh, Sassuolo opened the scoring in the 32nd minute from Scamacca, who seems to be on fire as of late. Um, assisted from Pratezi, he Scamacca just kind of received it, opened his body at the top of the 18, um, and was able to catch the opposite corner, low in the corner. Um, and then they actually went up 2-0 before half through Pratezi. Um, nice kind of little... Team play here, he was basically sent in one along with the keeper from Raspadori. Um, however, they were unable to hang on to the lead. Uh, Vlaovic scored his, I think it's his 15th now. Um, 16th. 
16th, wow, in the 51st. And then Torreya was able to grab the equalizer, kind of a scrappy goal, if you want to call it that. A bit of a clusterfuck in the box. The ball just kind of landed at his feet, and he was able to put it home. Um, and then the only other thing notable as of late was Bidagi. In my opinion, it was a soft second yellow, but he got a second yellow towards the end of the game. Um, so he will miss Fiorentina's next game. Uh, but yeah, finished 2-2. Um, I mean, I think both teams would be kind of happy with the result. Maybe Sassuolo a little, felt they were a little hard done just because they were up 2-0, but yeah. Yeah, you can't lay back against Fiorentina's side this year. No, definitely not. Yeah, they're they're always in, in games. Uh, well, they usually have a good start to games and then fall off, but this time it was kind of the reverse. I guess they weren't uh, – they seemed to be uh, immobilized by Sassuolo's uh, play and, and recovered in the second half. I um, just wanted to mention something. Uh, I believe it was a quote. Well, the fact that uh, the Licht matched – uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's Serie A record with uh, most goals in a calendar year. So Who did was that? You said Vlaovic. Vlaovic. Oh, yeah, he said Delict. Yeah. I, I said Delict. Like, uh... sorry, yeah. I, 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 sorry, I was thinking Delict too because he's rumored to leave as well. So that's another uh, tra- again transfer rumors. I can't. Yeah, you're, you're you're just caught up in the transfer. Rumors. Yeah, I was just caught up in you're the transfer. Too excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's. Uh, Duzan Vlaovic matched Cristiano Ronaldo's record for most Serie A goals in, in his calendar, calendar year. year. Yeah, yeah, since right. 1960. So uh, there's a great quote. So uh, uh, Vlaovic has scored, you know, 33 goals uh, in 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 Syria in, in Syria games in 2021. Uh, he's 21, and his leadership, mentality, technique, quality, physical structure, and shoot. Uh, and then Fiorentina wants seventy million to sell him. Many clubs in the race. What a talent! See, see. Uh, so that's uh, that's a quote that uh, went over Twitter, and uh, just just makes me laugh. Uh, what, what do you guys think? What do you guys think of uh, Dusan Vlaovic and whether or not uh, he'll be sold in January or, uh, I guess, staying until the until the summer? Yeah, I really don't think that he will be sold in January. I, I don't think Fiorentina can not afford to just again, based on they won't keep him next year. I think he's, he's kind of assuredly going to be gone. Uh, but if they are going to compete for European places, which they're doing right now, I think they need him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't see him leaving in January unless an offer like a hundred million or something stupid like that comes in. But I, I doubt that happens in January. Okay. Uh, Chris, you can answer that question as well. No, I agree with um, the last part Mike said there where I, I don't think they sell unless a, a mega offer comes in. I think they keep them for the rest of the year, you know, potentially push for that seventh spot in the Serie A table. And then this summer they maximize their profits and see them off. Okay, so uh, you mentioned seventh spot. Do you think uh, Fiorentina is good enough to hold on to uh, a European spot? I'm, again, at best, it's seventh. I don't see them finishing any higher than that. Uh, probably need to bring in some depth in January, but it's it's possible. 
I, I would expect Lazio's form to improve a little bit and also contend. And obviously, Juve is currently in seventh, so it won't be easy. But it's not out of the question. Okay, uh, Julian, I have a different question uh, yep. because Fr- Fratesi scored, and uh, again, uh, I'm excited for transfer transfers. Rumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, two players that Inter are looking at: Scamacca or Fratesi. Who would you choose and why? Uh, Fratesi, hands down. I don't think strikers are Inter's issue right now. Um, I think their midfield beyond kind of Brozovic, Barella, and Chalanoglu isn't the best. So I think he would be the better depth piece to bring in. Yeah, and he's the quality's there for sure. Like, I've seen him kind of – I mean, he's not bossing games, but he's he's constantly – uh, he's consistent in, you know, if we're talking about consistency being a really good, important quality, he has that. And I find that Skamak, on the other hand, doesn't have that the same way. Like he's, like you said, like as a striker, they have, um, I guess, enough, I don't want to say like problem strikers, like they have uh, Lataro, who isn't bad, but he's just not obviously as good as, yeah, yeah exactly. He is a little streaky, right? And I feel like Skamak is almost the same. He's he just I find he's like snake bit often too, but it's uh, yeah, I agree with that. All right, that's a very good discussion. Okay, so let's move on to Spezia Empoli. That was the next game on the Serie A schedule on Sunday. Uh, it was a game of own goals. It was a Marquita own goal that gave Spezia the lead in the 50th minute, and then Nicolau uh, own goal. Uh, allowed Empoli to tie the game and secure a point for both teams. And again, um, just quickly, Empoli has 27 points after 18 games so far this season. Uh, just can't can't say enough about uh, mm-hmm. Empoli so far this season. And an important point for Thiago Mota after being embarrassed midweek. Uh, again, whenever his job is on the line, uh, guys, the guy seems to be pulling a rabbit out of his hat, and again, the, you just can't beat this guy. Can't beat this guy, Michael. What do you yeah, think? he pulled it out in the in the way of an own goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, out of his ass. Hey, they actually they took the lead. Emily got the second own goal. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. The, that's, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, they put in a, a performance in this game against an Emily team that probably should have won this game on paper. Yeah. yeah. All right, so the next game on the schedule was Sampdoria-Venezia. Uh, Sam, uh, Sampdoria took an early lead with Mat- uh, Gabbiadini in the first minute. Yes. Uh, and then Venezia tied it up with a nice goal. It was one of our contenders, let's be honest. Uh, uh, a nice goal from Thomas Henry, which is a nice curler from uh, from outside the box. So that game ended 1-1. And then our next game on the schedule is Torino, uh, Torino, excuse me, Hellas Verona. Yeah, and this game, uh, I mean, was tight as we kind of figured it would be with uh, Torino squad doing a lot better this season and Verona, who are, they're finding a little bit more form, um, I guess. Well, maybe not as late, but the more form they had early on. Uh, but yeah, this uh, this game was kind of going both ways, but Torino had a lot more chances that I saw early on. Um, in fact, it's, uh, I think it's Pratt missed a, uh, really a sitter. It, it kind of was a cross that was right in front of the net. He was right there and it kind of goes between his legs. 
uh, and he somehow, yeah, miraculously for Verona doesn't score it, but it didn't take long for Verona to screw that up by uh, getting a red card in, I think, the 25th minute. Uh, Magnani is getting the ball back, and he kind of um, awkwardly takes possession of it as it's coming towards him. He's he's almost all alone, but then uh, there's the striker up there, and he uh, fouls him. Originally gets a yellow card. They look it up on, on VAR, and it's confirmed that you know he's the last man back, and it's confirmed a red card. Uh, and off that free kick, uh, Torino kind of throw it into the box where, as Julian would say, a clusterfuck kind of ensues. <laughs> and uh, Pobega is there to uh, slot it into the goal for Torino. And that's actually the only goal. Torino win one nothing, But uh, Verona had, again, early on it was more Torino. Verona had a couple of chances for sure. But uh, Savage uh, made some, you know, some important saves, even though he almost gifted Verona a goal at one point as well. But it's... Uh, yeah, again, ends one nothing for Torino, so they get their their three points, and I think they move up to like tenth now. Yeah, so they have ten. Uh, they're in tenth place with twenty five points. So, Chris, uh, you spoke highly of uh, you speak highly of Juric. How important was that win? Uh, I mean, big. I mean, uh, I think for Verona, anytime they're going to be playing somebody, you know, outside of. Uh, top seven, so to speak, it's going to be important for them to get points. I don't think Verona, even, you know, if they pick things up, will push. Um, not Verona, sorry. Uh, you said Juric, right? Yeah, yeah, Torino. Yeah, yeah Torino, sorry. That's, I'm thinking to last year. Uh, for Torino <laughs> yeah. to pick up points uh, when, they're pick, uh, when they're playing someone outside the top seven. I don't think Torino will have any business pushing for a European spot, uh, but I think that that's something Juric and Torino can build towards going into next year. If they can have a, a decent mid-table finish this year, um, improve a little bit in the in the summer transfer window, then next year we might be having this conversation similar to what we're having with Fiorentina right now with pushing for top seven. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, actually, uh, Torino leapfrog uh, Verona in the stands with this win. So that's how, that's how big uh, the win was. And again, against... Uh, you're just former team. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, definitely a six point game, right? Like yeah. considering. All right. So, uh, the game that everyone had circle on, uh, their Serie A schedule for the Sunday Milan versus Napoli. Yeah. So definitely an important matchup for both clubs, uh, Milan needing to win to, you know, stay within a point or two of inter, who won their match as uh, as Paulo mentioned earlier, and then Napoli needing the three points to, you know, stay within grasp of the of the top position. There, uh, they had fallen off recently. Uh, also, just a reminder, but I'm sure you know most most listeners are aware. But both teams, I think we can say, decimated by injuries right now. Napoli missing Osman, Insigne, Koulibaly, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody else that's uh, a key player for them, but. Those are the, the big names, Ruiz. anyways. Fabio Ruiz, Ruiz yeah. yeah, great one. And then for Milan, it's Kier. Uh There was no Teo Hernandez, no Calabria, uh, no Rebic, no Leao. So big, big key players for both groups. And I think when you consider all the big names that were missing, it kind of explains the way the game went. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, fantastic start for Napoli. Uh, Elif Elmas scores off of a corner kick in the fifth minute. You can blame Krunic, you can blame Tonali, you can blame Ibra. I think all of them 
were around Elmas and they're all kind of pointing the finger at each other. So blame whoever you want, but uh, good finish for Elmas. I'll give him credit, but I think Milan needs to deal with that better. Uh, and then as the first half went on, a uh, good chance for Ibra on a cross. He, um, it was a glancing header to the far post and just missed. Uh, Florenzi seems to have one good long shot per game that always just misses. Uh, he had one of those. Um, but it remained 1-0 until very, very late in the match. Uh, at this point, you know, both teams have made, um, obviously they've made substitutions, but they've made changes to their shape. Uh, Gidou was on at this point, so Milan playing with two strikers and um, scramble in front. Kessie does put it away, uh, as I'm sure Paula will remind everybody. You know, Milan celebrated um, jubilantly. Pioli <laughs> runs the corner flag, uh, only for it to come back. Um, goal was taken away from the Var corner and, flag and hits him in the face. I mean, <laughs> should with the way he set, <laughs> set up tactically, but. <laughs> Uh, so it does end up finishing one nil to Napoli. Uh, the start, the stats, the stats at the end of the game um, showed an equal match. I think uh, you know, Milan twelve shots, twelve uh, two on target. Napoli eleven shots, two on target. Possession was fifty two to forty eight in Napoli's favor. Um, two yellow cards for Napoli there. So uh, and five corners each. So equal game overall. I will say before we move on to the, the VAR decision there, it, again, this is with my Milan hat on. It, it's disappointing that Pioli still has Krunic starting, and I know a, a lot of you know Milan supporters on Twitter saying, well, who else is he supposed to start? Maldini? Um, yeah, start Maldini, start Salamakers. Um, Balotore can play as a left winger. Is he ideal there? No, but uh, Krunic is just – he's not – a winger. He he can't beat players one v one. He's not tricky. He's he's a center midfielder that can start for you know like Udinese. If, if I'm being realistic here, um, so it is frustrating to see him start in especially in a game like this. Um, you know, I know Giroud wasn't healthy from the start to play ninety minutes, but maybe start four four two. He needs to do something different. It was the game plan against Napoli was a long ball into Ibra and hope he could knock it down and lay it off. Uh, I do have to give credit to Rachmani and Juan Jesus. Um, you know, they're not world-class defenders by any means, but they dealt with Ibrahimovic pretty well. So big three points for Napoli. It keeps them in the race with Inter. They leapfrog uh, Milan, so good win for Napoli and Spalletti. Uh, now, look, uh, the call that came back, all I'm going to say is this. I mean, Paulo, we are going at it in our thread quite a bit there. All I would say is this, and we've had this this discussion a million times, is VAR, there needs to be an explanation from the league. Whether it's it's the referee going into a live mic to say the call is being changed because of A, B, and C, or after the game, the league putting you know out an official communication to say this is why, because of A, B, and C, but... Um, I just think they just seem to be more transparent. Um, you know, depending which way you look, you're going to have, you know, people like me arguing one way or you're going to have people like Paulo arguing the other way. I think this is just another example, um, you know, putting my bias aside of where the, the league needs to be more transparent um, with with VAR decisions, especially game-changing VAR decisions. Paulo. Okay, so an important agreement uh, is – is the fact that yes, the league should do something because then that that will 
settle, well, settle, that will try to put to rest any conspiracy theories that arise from Milan Twitter. In this case, in this case. <laughs> so I do agree with you in the fact that if they're still after six months of pushing the idea through the media about uh, adding audio in-game, perhaps you're right, Chris, that a solution, a temporary solution to this problem is an official communique from uh, the the Italian Referee Association to explain uh, the rationale in overturning uh, the decision, whether or not they support the referee or not, that's that's their prerogative. They have to explain why this why the decision was made, so people can stop discussing it and revert to conspiracy theories. Like I said, now on the decision itself, there is three infractions that could have been called. Three. Number one. First, let's start with the first one. Giroud had Juan Jesus in a headlock. He had his arm around his neck, looked like he was about to give him a chokehold. That is a foul. I don't know how many times that I've seen defenders, well, I guess not even, uh, excuse me, strikers in the box as well, even outside the box, get called for grappling on a defender's shoulders. And in this case, using a chokehold to gain an advantage to win possession of the ball. To me, that's a foul, number one. Number two was a potential handball on Kalulu, which his touch uh, forced the ball towards Juan Jesus, who played it, then broke to Gulam, who played it across for Kessie to put it into the net. So that's, that's number two. That's the second infraction that could have been called. The third one was the one that was eventually called was the offside. Giroud, who was on the ground after grappling Juan Jesus to the ground, lifted up his leg and forced Juan Jesus to play the ball. By the rule, because Giroud made an action to play the ball, he is therefore an active player in the play. And being in an offside position, it is the right call, offside, goal to Salah. So, the headlock, the quote-unquote headlock, it wasn't a headlock. It was a chokehold. That, that's, no, that's a play. <laughs> You're right, it was a chokehold. That's a play that happens. I, I, I'm throwing an arbitrary number out there. 75% of, of crosses, corners, free kicks, you name it. There, there's always, and whether it's a striker, whether it's a defender, it doesn't matter. That happens on... A lot of plays. It's just whether I, I would say not that egregious though. Yes. Like it was. Okay. It's typically you know you're gonna have people hanging on off of people, but like this was like mm-hmm. he was he had his like hand around his head. Like it was like it was almost like he was getting ready to like snap his neck. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, maybe not as egregious, but th- there's some sort of foul that could be called. Could be on a lot of on a lot of free kicks or corners. Like I said. Um. Second one, the handball. I have yet to, I still have yet to see a definitive video or image that shows that it came off of Kalulu's hand, um, as you said. And then the last one, Giroud moved his leg. So you can't tell me that him being under Juan Jesus, him moving his leg to the right, forces Juan Jesus 
to then make a play. So you're telling me if Giroud lays there dead, Juan Jesus doesn't do anything, but because he moved his leg slightly, all of a sudden that forces Juan Jesus into an action. So again, we, the four of us, we can interpret the rules many ways because sure, it says if they try to make a play, they're considered interfering. In my opinion, that's not trying to make a play. That's not enough of trying to make a play. Um, so again, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to, because we can do a whole podcast on this episode itself on this, uh, sequence. There just needs to be official communication and maybe Sedia communicates directly with the clubs to say, this is what we saw. But I think for, for fans, you know, we get invested and maybe sometimes too invested, but I think there just needs to be more clear communication on, on why game changing decisions were made. Okay. So. Uh, there's a good video uh, from from Sport Media Set on their on their um, talk show on the Mondays. Uh, they they showed an angle. They zoomed in where uh, Giroud uh, made the made a play on the ball. He got under Juan Jesus's leg to try to win the ball back. To me, that's that's a play on the ball, and and he's considered an active player. And he's there, and he's and he's laying back. His head is in an offside position. He's uh, pretty much his torso is in an offside position. So that's the right call. And it reminded me of uh, Euro two thousand and eight Holland versus Italy. Remember, I don't know if you guys remember that game. It was a, the the three nothing win uh, for Holland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was Panucci who was on the sidelines injured. Panucci. Christian Panucci. Can't remember the defender, but the defender was off on the sidelines, injured. But then, uh, even though he was off the field, uh, a Dutch player, I can't remember who scored, it could have been Van Persie or Van Nistelrooy, uh, scored in an offside position. But because the defender was still considered active by the referee, even though he was off the field, was 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 onside is a certain same situation in the sense that there was an active player to me that it just it reminded me of that situation where there was a confusion of the rules why wasn't it not given offside and in this case why wasn't offside as you said chris if the italian referee association comes out and explains well, it's just a short a short statement saying uh, we applied this rule because Giroud was considered an active player. Done. Settled. Yep. So, again, this is a, an interesting conversation that uh, will not be solved until there is some action from uh, the referee designator who, for the past six months, has been prophet, uh, prophesizing that there will be audio in-game. I would love to see it. Would, would we all love to see it, Jack? I would love to see it. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. No, no, I was just going to kind of end it at that and agree with that point. And I know we, I feel like every two weeks we have some sort of our discussion with a, a pretty consistent theme. So, yeah. And, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. There's been on a balance, good decisions, more good decisions than bad with VAR so far this season, the way, the way I see it. I don't know what you guys think. Do you, Michael? 
I, yeah, I mean, Chris kind of nailed it. I don't know that we need to talk okay. more about it. Uh, one last point before we conclude the segment. Uh, something about Milan being out of Europe and can therefore challenge uh, for the Serie A title. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? Do we have to rewind five minutes to where I listed the five starters that were out? Or <laughs> well, I know. I mean, that that was that was one of the motivations for not you know trying to qualify for the Europa League. What do you mean well, motivation? I don't think. Yeah, I don't yeah, think they <laughs> they didn't try to lose against Liverpool. It's just well, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the fan base. I'll, I'll I'll mention the fan base. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you if you're trying to look at a positive for being out of Europe, as you could say, okay, well, we can go for it. But again, when you're that depleted that Krunic has to start, you know, at wing in one of the biggest matches of the season, you can throw all that out the window. It doesn't really matter. It's the roster's depleted and they need players to come back before they can even think about making a Scudetto push. Yeah. And realistically, you're going to see the, uh, I guess the, you're going to see that benefit later on when Inter are still playing and Milan are not. That's Mm -hmm. like, you know, as long as the, the schedule remains condensed and it might, remain condensed because of you know maybe games might be pushed etc if there's some issues with um with code with like we're seeing in other leagues but that's when milan and napoli are probably going to have a little bit more well maybe not napoli because they're still in uh but they have to play barcelona so we'll see about that but in any case milan likely will have more of an edge over inter who um might have to play two two games now, right? And and maybe more. So, well, they also have to play Liverpool, so it's kind of the same boat as Nap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Julian, uh, one last thing before we wrap it up: Inter confirmed Winter Champions. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean much in my opinion. The Winter Champion, there's nothing to it. I will say, like, I think five four weeks ago, five weeks ago, they were. 10 points back of Milan and Napoli and for them to come back now and be three points up is impressive. I think four points. Four points. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Um, So that's impressive. I also wanted to mention how they had a hundred goals Mm -hmm. in the calendar year. First time since the 1950s. So Inzaghi clearly has them rolling. Um, I know the schedule has been a little easier on them as of late, but come January, February, it's going to, kick up a notch so we'll see how they cope with it well there you have it so that's our uh serious segment for this uh for this week Dominic. And welcome back to Retro This Way. As always, I'm your host. Well, not as always, but I'm your host for this week, uh, Paula Mangoni. And Wait, we've already done this, though. Well, yeah, I know. We're already back. It's, you know. Why are you, why are you introducing the whole segment? It's another segment. Well, you're introducing the whole show again. Whatever. Just because it's Dominic the Donkey? Exactly, yeah. You we threw have me to, off yeah. that song, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> God. Can I tell you this song sounds like if uh, if someone wanted to make a very like uh, not low budget. Well, no <laughs> low budget. Okay. No, like a very uh, Italian stereotype song. This would be the song they made. Like if they really wanted to, just like you know. I don't know, make it very, not racist, because it's not racist. Like, it's, I feel like, uh, just very stereotyped. Very stereotyped. If they I mean, wanted to get canceled? Exactly. If they wanted to get canceled, <laughs> someone wanted to parody Italians in, in the sense that, you know, they wanted to get canceled to that extent. Exactly. I mean, the song itself is a perfect Christmas movie. Ooh, everyone wants to watch uh, a movie about... An Italian donkey climbing the hills of Italy because Santa's reindeers can't do it. You know? <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> they do it to themselves, man. Uh, there's a couple of good songs. Was this a, a song that I already played? <laughs> <laughs> there's what Pepino the Italian Mouse. Yeah, and then there's Lazy Mary, which is the p- quintessential Italian stereotype song. Yeah, we, we played both before. Yeah. So, uh, if, if anyone's interested, you know, go back and Lou Monty. Uh, this one, Dominic the Donkey. Uh, okay, so let's, uh, after that uh, Christmas interlude, uh, let's get into some, uh, some Coppa Italia discussion. Uh, there was, what, not six games, six games last week, midweek? Seven? Yeah, Seven quite games. a few. Seemed like a lot. Yeah. So we uh, started off uh, on the Tuesday with Venezia Tirana. Uh, Venezia beat Tirana 3 uh, 1. Tirana scored a very nice goal in that game. There are some few bangers uh, midweek. I, I got to tell you, I watched pretty much all the games, and uh, there were some really good goals. So in the next in the next game, Undenese Crotone, Undenese beat Crotone 4 0. Pusetta scored. An outstanding goal, a great individual skill, absolutely destroyed uh, a Crotone defender before scored from like 25 yards out. Uh, forgot to mention, Venezia plays Atalanta on uh, June, uh, sorry, January 12th at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then Udinese play Lazio on January 18th at 11.30 Eastern Standard Time. So uh, Genoa beats Lernitana 1-0. That's, I uh, believe that's... Shoshenko's first win ever as a general manager. So general plays Milan on January 13th at 3 p.m. Verona, this was a very exciting game. Uh, Verona lost 4-3 to Empoli. Uh, there's some, also some very good goals in this game. Uh, Empoli play Inter, date to be determined. And then uh, Calori beat uh, Cittadella 3-1. Uh, Chitarella scored an absolutely outstanding goal. Chris, I think I sent it to you. Uh, remind me of the, how... It was off the corner, and it was like, like a straight... Oh, the uh, long shot? Yeah, the straight... Like, it was a full volley from, like, uh, uh, like what, like 25 yards out, and went, sh- like, straight into the top corner. Yeah, at least 25 yards out. That was yeah. a great strike. I remember yeah. it now. Yeah, so that, I think that has to be the best goal of the uh, the midweek so far. So if anyone has a chance, go watch these highlights. There's some r- great goals. So Cagliari play Sassuolo on January 19th at 11.30. Uh, Fiorentina beat Benevento 2-1. Uh, Fiorentina plays Napoli on January 12th at 
Spezia lost uh, 2-0 to Lecce, so a Serie B uh, enters into the round of 16. They play Roma on January 20th at 3 p.m. And then Sampdoria beat Torino uh, 2-1, and they play Juventus date to be determined. So the reason why there are some dates to be determined is because uh, Juventus play Inter for the Supercoppa Italiana on January 12th at uh, 3 p.m. Uh, at the supposedly neutral venue San Siro. But, uh, yeah, exactly. That's uh, not obviously a neutral venue. <laughs> well, it's, technically, it's that's where AC Milan played their home games, right? So <laughs> well, that's, that's how they'll sell it. <laughs> that's yeah, that's how they're neutral. Sell it, exactly. Yeah, neutral. Uh, so yeah, that, that was Copa uh, Italia talk. Uh, the biggest, like I said, the biggest uh, news from that is Lecce beating Spezia uh, to nothing. Um, who do you think has the toughest round of sixteen matchup? Julius? Go through them again? Just so, like yeah, one by quickly one. go through them. Okay, Venezia Atalanta, Udinese Lazio, General Milan, Empoli Inter, Galeria Sassuolo, Fiorentina Napoli, Lecce Roma, uh, Sam Juventus. Um, Fiorentina Napoli. Okay, Michael? Yeah, I think that's the standout for me too. Uh, you're just saying di- most difficult matchup? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would be very surprised if Lecce got past Roma. Um, so difficult for Lecce, anyways. Not yeah, for Roma. <laughs> what's what's the most though? I guess <laughs> overall, because I, I mean, another one would be Inter Empoli. I think that's going to yeah. be yeah. a yeah. difficult that, game. That, that was I was about to say that one. Uh, you can also, I don't know, Sampdoria Juventus to a certain extent because Sampdoria yeah. have, been, have been playing a bit better so far this season, like the last like five games. Yeah, for me, I would put it in. Uh, yeah, no order, no particular order. Well, I'll put Napoli, Fiorentina, up the the top one. Yeah. But then I put Inter, Empoli, and Lazio, Udinese. I think are going to be that's going to be a tough game too. Uh, well, also the, the schedule makers have given us another Lazio, uh, Lazio, Udinese. So, yeah. Uh, by the way, that game ended four four in Syria. Yeah. So, um, exactly. another game to look forward to. Okay, so let's get into. Uh, are who am I, Michael? Oh, oh, oh. Huh? I don't know. Who am I? Yeah, there it is. There you go. I don't know. Who am I? I don't know. All right, so our uh, who am I? I don't know. A discussion question comes from Rafael Rispo, as you know from uh, Far From Vesuvius podcast. Raf. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Raf was actually stumped by your uh, question, Chris. So you want to? Uh, That's what I'm looking for. You want to compliment you on your question. <laughs> so his question is as follows: Is he out of line in saying that an Italian team is close to winning a European trophy? If not, uh, and say it, it's this year, who will be the team? Um, the team to do it: Juventus, Inter in the Champions League, Napoli, Atalanta, Lazio in the Europa League, or Rome in the Conference League? If so, how long till we see it? Well. Can we agree that Juve and Inter are not winning the Champions League this year, or does, do any of you want yeah. to no. argue that? <laughs> no, I don't. I think uh, Inter are still a season, well, not even a season, probably two seasons away before they can really compete. That doesn't seem barring any more financial issues. Yeah, I think that's fair. So we can kind of strike 
well, Champions League. Or Paulo, go ahead if you want. Well, I was I just want I was gonna make a joke. I mean, uh, Juventus's <laughs> best chance to make the Champions League next season is to win the Champions League. Yes, right. Yeah, which <laughs> last year, right? Or last yeah. episode. Yeah. Uh, and I will say that you don't have to worry about Serie A. So. You know, it's like kind of the opposite of Milan, where, you know, <laughs> Milan's chance is equal to Juventus's chance in the sense that they only need to focus on one exactly. championship. One event. Yeah. One event. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll strike Inter and Juve off the list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, do Roma have a talented enough squad to win the Conference League? I think... That would be a unanimous uh, yes. I don't think they will win it, though. And again, and it's not because I don't think they're good enough. And it's not because I don't think Mourinho knows how to navigate tournaments. I just think Roma will be in the mix for that fourth spot, which, as we know, is a Champions League position in Serie A. And I think he will have to rotate the squad a little bit for the Conference League games, and I think just in general, the squad's focus will be on Serie A matches, and I think over time, that will take away from their performance in the Conference League. So, I, I would eliminate Roma for that reason. I don't know what you guys think. I think I, that's an astute... Ahead. Yeah, I think it's an astute observation. Um, I would still give them the best shot out of any two... Again, I guess... Effectively, yeah, win a European trophy. I think that's that's the best shot. Yeah, it, I agree with with that. Julian, you're probably say the same thing. But I'm, I don't know. My other team is Atlanta for the Europa League, but uh... yeah, I, I I need to see more out of them in that competition. I mean, obviously, it's you know they they have a, a competitive Champions League squad, but they just have a tendency, like you often say, to choke. Right, so yeah. Let's, yeah, I mean, to your point, that's an interesting change in objective for them. And maybe, maybe it is something that's uh, attainable. I, okay, I think Roma has the best shot. I give them, you know, 60% chance of winning. Uh, Depends who gets out of this playoff, Europa League playoff mix to move on into the conference league. I know Leicester's in the mix as well in, in that uh, uh, playoff. Uh, Tottenham got knocked out, so that's mm-hmm. one less uh, challenger for Roma. And we all know with Mourinho and, and European uh, trophies, he's obviously he stated that uh, you know it was a dream to win the Champions League and uh, it was a dream to win the Europa League, and it's now a dream to win the conference league because it's a trophy that he's never won before in his career. So I think that gives him a motivation and um, to bring Roma a trophy in his first season uh, should be considered uh, an objective and, 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 and a statement for the rest of Europe and uh, the rest of Syria. So yeah, uh, Roma has the best chance followed by Napoli. I'll, I'll explain why. Uh, put aside that they're playing Barcelona, but it's a Barcelona without <laughs> Messi. And I think it's the best uh, It's the best chance to beat a Barcelona in European competition in the last 20 years. Uh, get past Barcelona, I think they have a direct shot to at least the semifinals. So what's, yeah, 
what's that road look like? Do they? Do we know again who they would no, play they, after that? It no, would be a redraw. It would be a redraw. Yeah. Okay. Because they they only drew the playoffs for uh, Europa League and Conference League. We don't know who uh, the group winners are uh, right. are going to play. Right. So that's why that's why the Champions League is being played over two weeks. The, or the first legs, I should say, right, are playing played over two weeks. It's because of the uh, the playoffs. Um, the rest of the teams, as Chris said, most likely the, the Italian teams in the Champions League won't win because they're just better teams in Europe than those two teams. Uh, I think so. The to answer uh, Raf's question. This year, Napoli and Roma have the best chance to win a European trophy. But, else, but who? So I mean, yeah, I I think we've kind of all agreed on that. Yeah. What do we think is? I guess if it's not this year again, who will be the team that does it? I think that's also his question, right? Like, if it's yeah. not this year, yeah, who has the best? Uh, who's set up the best? I guess to compete and and realistically realistically win something soon first honestly it pains me to say it i think julian's right i think it's gonna be inter if they uh sign players who are rumored to sign you know get a midfielder to replace some of the dead weight that they have in their squad for cheaper uh i think inter can build a squad that can that can challenge on three fronts I would, I I don't disagree in that. Yeah. I would say Roma in the Europa League, uh, assuming they keep Mourinho. Uh, again, I, I do think him in tournaments, he obviously knows how to navigate them. He knows how to rotate the squad and get the best out of the players and on multiple fronts. So I, I think Roma, I do think Roma will finish top six this year. And I can see them, you know, assuming they, bolstered the squad i can see them uh challenging for the europa league next year top six so again over fiorentina and Juve. realistically yes yeah okay okay, yeah. okay so anyone else have any julian what do you think um my only thing with inter i think inter they are built very well and they do have again they do have good pieces in place they need to resign Brozovic, first and foremost, he's, I, you guys may not agree, but he's their most vital midfielder right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe Varela. Yeah. No, I'd say Brozovic. Right now is Brozovic. He's literally okay. started every single game for Inter this year. Like, they need to re-sign him as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, beyond that, they could really use some depth pieces um, just to have good players coming off the bench. But then, of course... That's kind of why I'm looking forward to Liverpool because I'm interested to see how they match up, really. They haven't played... I mean, both times they've played Real Madrid in recent years. Real Madrid won every game, so I'm hoping that's not the case, obviously, with Liverpool, but I really want to see how they match up. Uh, uh, this was a great uh, conversation. made us think. Uh, like I said, Raf, you're welcome to, to come on the show uh, to discuss Napoli and Syria anytime you want. Um, does anyone anyone else have to add any any discussions points before we move on to Chris? Uh, I would just say, like, I, my question, I guess, is based off of that question. So, I mean, it's a little bit of like we'd pr- probably have to 
go in depth on this. Maybe we can focus on this another time, but mm. what would it take for each squad to realistically get to that next step? Okay, I'll start with Juventus. A yeah. Midfield. <laughs> a mid- three new midfielders. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, let, do we all agree on Juventus midfielders? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian, uh, you can do Inter. Again, I just think more depth and more good, like, I mean, Sanchez has actually been, if he can stay healthy, he'd be a great piece, but they just need to kind of fill in the holes. Like, when guys go out, you can't have... In Serie it's fine, but in Europe, if one of your guys gets hurt, you can't really have D'Ambrosio and Renaki as your first-choice subs. Or Gallardini. Or Gallardini, exactly. Yeah. So, to me, that's... Yeah, find some good guys, find some young guys who are going to push the starters for spots. Michael, which team do you want to pick? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, I'll do Roma, I guess. And I, we, we already kind of talked about this. Did we talk about this offline, though, about Roma? Like they're realistically like a um, proper midfield, I think, is what they're yeah, missing. Well, yeah, we talked about this earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think that's probably obvious. Uh, Fiorentina, I would say, again, they're likely going to lose um, – Lavich. So if they are in this conversation that we're talking about, if they're in a mix in future years, if they make it, I think again, obviously replacement there. And uh, yeah, I, they need to just be able to build their, the squad solidly like these other teams have been able to obviously, but they need to do that with getting money from, you know, European competition. So they're a little bit further off, but again, just getting that depth. I think that's what they're missing. All right, Chris, you got the the choices: Napoli or Milan, or both. Uh, I'll do both quickly. Um, Milan, uh, a young, mobile striker again against Napoli on the weekend. Um, Ibra, for you know all his greatness, he he's slow, um, so it gets predictable. Um, I like Giroud. I think he has a role to play in Milan for the next two to three years as an impact sub but they shouldn't be relying on a 41-year-old and a 36-year-old, however old Jiru is. <laughs> so a young mobile striker and then a replacement for Frank uh, Kessie. Uh, I don't, I just, my gut tells me he's not staying. So uh, a, a replacement for him uh, a la Renato Sanchez, but we'll see. Uh, and then for Napoli, I think it's kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about already. It's just, it's just depth. Um, specifically depth at the fullback positions. I think they need an upgrade there. Um, and yeah, I think I would say depth all the way around fullback specifically. Um, Meret and Ospina aren't, you know, world-class, but Napoli aren't losing games because of them. So I think they're okay there. Yeah. So uh, just another transfer rumor uh, tidbit. Uh, Manolas is going to Olympiacos. So they need uh, a couple of center backs as well. Yeah, yeah. Man, what happened to him? That was such a fall from grace. He was like up there with one of the best in the league for a little bit when he was with Roma. Yeah, he, he scored that goal, that Senya Manor last goal there when uh, <laughs> they beat uh, Barcelona. Um, but uh, I, I think it was a knee injury and multiple hamstring injuries that that really put the nail in uh, in, in his career there. Uh, I, I, we all know, I think three of us know here, that how difficult it is to come back from 
uh, knee surgery without being an athlete. Imagine if you have to be an athlete. So uh, I think that uh, that did it. Okay, on that note, uh, Chris. <laughs> uh, all right, so yes, again, thank you, um, Rafael, for that question. Um, we'll get going with this week's hints. So hint number one for who am I? He is currently with his third Sedia club. Hint number two, his former teammates include Christian Kwame, Pepe Reina, Leo Bonucci, and Alfred Duncan. And hint number three, he has played in three of Europe's top five leagues. So again, hint number one, he is currently with his third Serie A club. Hint number two, former teammates include Christian Kwame, Pepe Reina, Leo Bonucci, and Alfred Duncan. And hint number three, he has played in three of Europe's top five leagues. Five-minute timer has started. Okay, so just based off the player, so it's Kwame, Pepe Reina, Bonucci, and Duncan. And Duncan. Okay, so we're looking at Sassuolo, Fiorentina, uh, Juventus, Napoli. Milan? Yeah, Napoli, La Lazio. Kwame well, was also at Genoa. Yes, that is true. I'm thinking Fiorentina because Duncan, Kwame, Fiorentina. But where would he have played with? Bonucci probably. Bonucci would have been Milan. Yeah, and I, I feel like, yeah. Wait a minute. I thought, but Bonaventura hasn't played. Uh, I, I Bonaventura mul- came to mind as well. Yeah, but he hasn't yeah. played in multiple leagues, right? Like, it, what was it, Chris? Three of five or something? Uh, he has played in three of Europe's top five leagues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he's played outside Italy. No, that's why I was. I don't yeah. think it's him, obviously. Yeah, and he's played for three Serie A teams. Uh, yeah, currently with his third Serie A club, yeah. Okay. So who would have been, again, could have been Milan and like, when was Pepe Reina there? That's when Bonucci was there too. When was that? Like a few what years ago. This is three years ago now? Two, four years ago? Oh, shit. Maybe. Because cause technically, technically, Bonavent- it's not Bonaventura, but Bonaventura played for Atlanta, Milan, Fiorentina. Yeah. He's played for top... Three of top five Europe league European leagues. Yeah, so it's played played outside of Italy. Um, just over three minutes left. Okay, we need a we need another we need either either ask a question or the hint. I say hint. I don't even know where to begin with question for this one. Yeah, yeah. Hint. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your bonus hint is that he has been managed by Marco Giampaolo. So it would where be, was he? Okay, so he's at he was at Pescara, well Pescara, Empoli. So let's, we'll say Empoli, uh, Sampdoria, Torino, Milan. It has to be a Milan player. A current Milan player. It's possible. He's played. Uh okay, what position? Because you got to narrow it down somehow. <laughs> um, he's not a goalkeeper or defender. 
Okay, so he's played outside of of Italy in top leagues. I'll tell you he's Italian, if that helps as well. Mm. So he's not This is this is gonna this is this is not going well. I I feel like he's he's giving us too many hints here. <laughs> Would you consider Portugal a top European league? No, so the, the top five no. is uh, Italy, Italy, Spain, England, Germany, France. And currently, obviously, plays in Serie A too, right? So Currently plays in Serie A, yeah. Why am I thinking Katrona? So that's not a bad guess because he obviously played in Milan. He went to England. Where else, did he play anywhere else? Um, yeah, wasn't he... He I just came back to Spain. One yeah, he, he just came back from. Oh no, maybe he came back from Fiorentina though. Did he? No, no. Was it? Wasn't it Valencia? I want to say Valencia. I don't know why that comes to mind. Hmm. And, that's that's not bad. I, I that's I think, probably our best guess for sure so far. Who else could it be though? Okay, Italian, Italian. Uh, because I'm pretty sure Cotrona was coached that season with Giampaolo. I'm pretty sure. Can't remember. Portrays on there. What are the players, the teammates again? Kwame. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Kwame, Reina, Bonucci, and Alfred Duncan. Because it's possible because he played with Kwame and Duncan at Fiorentina. 20 seconds. Pepe Reina at Milan and Bonucci at Milan. Milan, yeah. Okay, I think that's, that's yeah. Okay, yeah. Petrone. Yeah. Locking it in? Yeah. Yeah, hold on. Let me get. Uh... So you still have five seconds left. So if you want no, to no, your we're locking in. Just let me get <laughs> lock celebration it in. Just lock it in. set up yeah. here yeah. by cooling the gang. Time is up. So Cutrone was your final answer. Yeah. Yes. Well done, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Elsior. <laughs> I say it's half a point for all the bonus since I was generously gave him. And I mean, I yeah, you didn't give Christmas time. But no, that was a that was a difficult one. That was difficult. Was, the the first three very vague. I mean, yes and no. I mean, the, the three Serie A clubs is vague, but the the teammates one and the three of Europe's top five leagues. There aren't that many players in Serie A that have played in all in three of Europe's top five leagues. I don't think. Mm. I I wouldn't be able to name them, but I think again we we probably just stumbled upon him because I think the best was uh, that he yeah I mean putting it together with Bonucci I think at Milan and Reina Milan I think was huge for us. Yeah. Uh, to, the to only me, other player that came to mind towards the very end for me was Zaza. Was who? Sorry, Zaza. Simone Zaza. Joey Zaza. Yeah. Joey Zaza. Yeah, but I don't think he played with Pepe Reina. Reina. Didn't he? Yeah, that was the one where he didn't. Yeah, or for, Kwame, for that matter. Yeah. For for me, it was the, the 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 not the goalkeeper or defender. I think that that's what kind of narrowed it down for me. Because Jumpalo, uh was 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 the link, was the missing link. But after naming the clubs that those players played for, uh, it kind of narrowed it down. But uh, but Bonaventura was the first one, but he never played outside of Italy. I don't think. How much do we bet that when we post this on Twitter, the first guest from a one of our followers on Twitter is going to be Bonaventura? 
I, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> we will see. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Chris, that was a very good one. I think. I think that uh, that broke our losing streak, right? Yeah, it did. It did. I think it was a three three week losing streak. Stopped. There you go. That Could've was an been... easy one for us. He he felt bad, so he... <laughs> little layup. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's move on a little quickly because uh, there's midweek uh, calcio on uh, Tuesday, starting Tuesday. So just a summary of the games uh, on Tuesday at twelve thirty kicks off with. Undenese Seller and Itana, a game that could be postponed because of uh, COVID. Uh, following that, there's Genoa, Atalanta, and Juventus, Cagliari. And then on Wednesday, there's a full slate of games. Starts at 10.30, each at standard time for some weird reason. <laughs> uh, Bologna, excuse me, Sassuolo, Bologna, uh, Venezia, Lazio, both at 10.30. Inter Torino and Roma Sampdoria at 12:30. V- Hellas Verona and Fiorentina at 12:30 as well, and then the round concludes with Empoli uh, facing Milan and Napoli playing Spezia at 2:45. So these are the last games until January 6th, when Serie returns to celebrate the Epiphany. Uh, so. Any uh, last comments? Uh, put it this way. I'll uh, pull a Michael D'Angelo and ask a question. Uh, what would you like to see as a, a Christmas gift when Syria returns in January? Who first? Uh, let's go Michael. I'll give you the honors since... Uh... I want to see no COVID-D. I want to see no players have... Um... I guess endangered themselves by <laughs> contracting the virus and, you know, starting a, uh, a outbreak like in the premier league. Okay. That's a very good point. Julian. Um, I don't know. I was trying to think of something selfishly, but now I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to you. Uh, Chris, uh, I'll kind of piggyback off what Mike said and just hope for less injuries across the board. I think we all agree we want to see, you know, every club put their the best possible 11 players out on the pitch, and that hasn't been the case for quite a few games. So, yeah, less injuries or for, you know, injured players to come back healthy in the new year. All right, Julian, it's your turn. Okay, I got one. Let's go for a nice uh, Canada win over USA when the qualifiers oh, hey, resume in January. Like that. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess for me, it'd be pretty simple. Uh, Juventus passing, uh, going through the uh, to the quarterfinals and getting through the round of sixteen, which they play. Who they play again? I even forgot. Uh, oh, um, Villarreal. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Again, a challenging, uh, a challenging game because what they lost against Lyon, Porto. Someone else. Was it Ajax as well before that? Yeah. yeah Ajax was go. the other one. Yeah. So, hopefully uh, with Allegri back, uh, that could change. Okay, well, that's the end of the episode. So, uh, I don't think anyone else has anything else to add. Uh, just make sure you're following us on our social platforms uh, at RTW Couch uh, For both, yes. Uh, for Instagram both. and Twitter. And Twitter. Well, 
that's the end of the episode. That's uh, our holiday edition. So happy holidays to all of our listeners. And uh, we'll see you again next week with, uh, uh, I guess, transfer rumors. I'm excited for them. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Happy holidays, everyone. Take care. Yeah,